two passages, one in Luke, one that you are very, very familiar with, I am sure, and one in Paul's letter to the Ephesians chapter 2. That's probably the one you ought to look up because I think we'll know the one in Luke. We at First EPC believe that the, the Bible is God's Word, God's truth. It's living. It's active. It's the only infallible way of faith and practice, uniquely and fully inspired by the Holy Spirit. So we need to know what it says. We need to know what it means. So hear God's Word from these two passages. Luke 2, verse 14. It's the angels who suddenly were there, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom He is pleased. And then over in Ephesians chapter 2, let me read you two verses, 13 and 14. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Let's pray a moment. Heavenly Father, touch our hearts and minds. May your Holy Spirit move among us and within us, Lord, and open us to your truth. And by a grace empowered only to Him, Lord, transform us, change us, make us just a little bit more into the people of God that we want to be and that you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Advent and and Christmas is... There are times when our minds naturally yearn for for the angels' proclamations of glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, right? We need, we want peace. We want that great messianic image that that Isaiah described hundreds of years before Jesus when he prophesied that the the wolf shall lie down with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together and a little child shall lead them. Every year about this time we rekindle that yearning for peace. Amen. And this year, that yearning, that hope is as urgent as ever with wars and killing all around our world. The turmoil in Ukraine, the turmoil in Israel, with the threat of nuclear weapons emerging from Iran and North Korea and with troops in Iraq and Syria, terrorism threats almost everywhere. 
with China and Russia doing what they do normally, just rattling their sabers, threatening in ways maybe not happening in years. With political and and social unrest all across our country, things we can't understand, things that make seem to make no sense. And then there's the personal sickness and and trials and pain and death that can make peace often little more than a wished-for dream, can't it? How can we not want peace on earth? In the aftermath of the Ferguson shooting a few years ago, I read a statement by a fellow named Benjamin Watson. He's a former standout tight end in the NFL, big, imposing man. And yes, he's black. In a long and beautifully worded statement, he said he was angry, frustrated, fearful, confused, sad, sympathetic, offended, hopeful. And and then he closed by saying, He was encouraged. He said this, I am encouraged because ultimately the problem is not a skin problem. It is a sin problem. Sin is the reason we rebel against authority. Sin is the reason we abuse abuse our authority. Sin is the reason that we are racist. We are prejudiced and lie to cover our own. Sin is the reason we riot and loot and burn. I'm encouraged, he said, because God has provided a solution for sin through His Son Jesus and with it a transformed heart and mind. I'm encouraged because the Gospel gives mankind hope. You know, Ben Watson had it right. Ben Watson yearns for peace. And he knew where that peace could be found. Would that we all did. Isaiah said, prophesying about the coming of Jesus. We read it in in lighting our candle this morning. To us a child is, is born, a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders And He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This child to be born, this this Prince of Peace, this child who we celebrate His birth every Christmas, this Jesus is the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. In other words, Isaiah is saying that, that this little child... This little child is the maker and the giver of peace. True peace. And there's really no other peace apart from God. In in his letter to the Ephesians that we read this morning as our text, Paul said this, he said, He, Jesus, He Himself is our peace. Jesus is our peace. In the context of the passage, Paul's teaching about the body of Christ, the church. Oh, how God loved each of us 
how God loves His church and allows us to be a part of it. That body of Christ. How God in Christ bridges the gulf of hostility between Jew and Greek, between one child of His creation and another child, between the lost and the found. There are two principles about peace that I want to make sure we we make our own. And the first is that our, our personal peace begins with our relationship with the Prince of Peace. Your peace and my peace, it isn't dependent upon the things that are going on around us. It begins in our heart. When we've allowed God to, as Ezekiel once said, to take out our heart of stone and give us that heart of flesh. When we've accepted the free gift of God's grace in Jesus Christ. When we become a believer and a follower, a disciple of His, then He imparts peace within us. God's peace, the peace that the, that the angels proclaim, is never dictated by outward circumstances. Oh, that's the peace of the world. It depends on events and situations that happen around us. Things we do or things we don't do. Things that are done to us sometimes. And when things go well, we're at peace and When things go bad, well, that peace is gone. And that non-peace is brought to you by the prince of the world, Satan. Not the prince of peace, Jesus. The peace that the prince of peace provides isn't dependent at all on circumstances. But only on our relationship with God. Believe Him. Trust Him. He gives the victory over ultimate conflict between our hearts of sin and and the holiness of God. And it's going to be, that's the the main war, the battle that goes on. I mean, we think it's wars and rumors of wars. We think it's ugliness and hurt and pain and sickness. We'll never, we'll never defeat all of those. They're a part of the fall and a part of existence until God comes again. So how do we have peace? There's no hope of peace then unless we find it in God, in Jesus. It's a spiritual battle. And that spiritual battle has to be resolved first. It's a conflict between a holy God and the rebellion and sinfulness that's within each of us, that's within our world. And sometimes I don't think we understand that. Sometimes I don't think we recognize how sick and evil our world is. And we hear these words when we talk of theology types of things about depravity and how when we come into this world, we're, we're totally depraved. And that's a nice funny word we don't use in our language but it means we have no good in us at all we're not able to do anything good on our own totally we don't believe that a lot of us don't believe it many of you may not believe that until you open your newspaper or you you turn on the news and you see what went on in the middle east two months ago or what went on uh 
goes on all, all the time. What went on uh, a decade or so ago with ISIS, different people around the world, or what goes on even in our own country with young people, one of them just sentenced recently for killing, just walking into a, a schoolhouse and starting to shoot people. How sick and depraved are we? The human heart, the human heart is depraved beyond all else. It's a sick place. And the only hope for us, the only hope for the world we live in, is exactly what Ben Watson was saying. The only cure for sin is Jesus. It's a relationship with Jesus. The Prince of Peace tears down those dividing walls. And only the Prince of Peace. Paul tells us how in verse 13 he say, of Ephesians, he says, In Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. It's the cross. It's the sacrifice. Now, I know blood isn't something we talk about, especially at Christmas time, right? That's an Easter talk. But we, we can stand it there, but let's don't bring it into Christmas. But that's what it's all about, you see. That's where peace comes from. It has a symbolism that we cannot ignore or miss. In the Old Testament, blood represented life. So when the blood was spread on the doorposts in God's deliverance of His people from slavery in Egypt, we talk about that when we share communion together. It represented life. And the angel of death passed over. When animal sacrifices were made in the temple, it represented life. One life given for another. Thus, Paul is saying that you and I are, are brought near. I'm talking about near to God, brought near, brought in relationship through the life of Christ given, sacrificed on the cross. That's where that relationship is made possible. As John says in 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. It's that blood life shed on the cross that makes forgiveness possible. Hebrews says in Hebrews 9, without the shedding of blood, the giving of life, there is no forgiveness of sin. You see, it's that blood life that that reconciles us to God, that brings us together, that makes peace between between evil us and holy God possible. That brings us into His will. That allows us to walk in His purpose. You know, Paul said in Ephesians 1.7, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace. And I love this. Which He has lavished upon us. The greatest Christmas gift is Jesus Himself. Our personal peace. Your personal peace. My personal peace. The world's peace will begin with a personal relationship with the Prince of Peace. And without Him, there will never be peace. If you're not at peace, if you're not at peace this morning, that's the first place to check. Not rehashing all the ills of the world. Not blaming someone else for our pain and problem. Do a check. 
How are you doing with God, with the Prince of Peace? Are you running from Jesus? Are you trying to avoid Him? Are you trying to keep Him at arm's length? Have you accepted His gift? Have you welcomed Him? Do you know Him at all? Have you allowed what He did on the cross, in Paul's words, to make you a new creation? A new creation. A new person. Isaiah 26.3 says about God. God Isaiah is saying to God, You, God, keep Him in perfect peace. <laughs> Wouldn't it love to have perfect peace? God, keep Him in perfect peace. You and me. Keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. A second truth in this passage that that we can't ignore, we'd like to, but we cannot, is that our world will never know peace apart from God. Indeed, I think you could go as far as to say our world will never know total peace. If God is peace and Jesus is the Prince of Peace, then we or others will never know peace, that peace the angels proclaimed, apart from Jesus. Apart from Jesus. You begin to see why the the Great Commission is so critical, so important, so urgent. We're standing around moaning about the condition of our country, the condition of our town, the condition of our families even. Why is there so much hostility? Why is there so much hatred? Why is there so much fighting? I heard a person say just yesterday, and you've heard it, and I'm sure you have, we're living in a time that seems to be the most contentious time I've ever had in my life. Agree? Why? Why? Oh, our calling is so critical and it's so apparent. It's so much in front of us. You know, when I I first heard the last part of what the angels declared in in Luke 2.14, it was from the King James Version of the Bible. And we all learn that usually as we start it out. On earth, peace. Goodwill toward men. How about you? Is that what you learned? sounded to me like the angels were announcing a gift of peace to the world. Announcing goodwill for the world. Everyone. Just peace. And the preceding words about the birth of Jesus would seem to fit that well. But do you know now, every translation other than the King James places a condition on that peace? On that gift? Oh, they messed up what I always learned. (laughs) They really did. Now, and this is the most accurate translations. The newer ones. And the wording has God's glorious peace going to men on whom His favor rests. That's in NIV. Or among those with whom He is pleased. That's ESV. Read any of them. The more modern translations. It's a different meaning, isn't it? You ever wondered about that? 
the peace the angels proclaimed is not just poured out on all people. It isn't poured out on all people. It's given to those who have favor with God, on whom He is pleased. It is given to to God's people, those who believe in Him and trust in Him. In other words, the peace of God belongs to the people of God, not to the world. Not to the world. If you want peace in this world, then you and I, we need to introduce our world to Jesus Christ. That's the only way. That is the only way. They need, what they need is to know the truth, to heed God's command and share His truth. We need to share His truth to our world. Jesus taught us that there's always going to be those wars and always going to be rumors of wars. There's always going to be a struggle between good and evil all the way to the very very end it's going to be there there's not a thing you and i are ever going to do about that oh we can mitigate it we can help we can be a voice in the wilderness and we need to be but jesus never in his in his word tells us to quit sharing to quit telling that truth to quit talking and proclaiming the good news that he is the prince of peace he never told us to resign ourselves to thinking that, that the hope of, of the lion laying down with the lamb is just a myth. Or that brothers dwelling in unity is impossible. Or that the abundant life was an elusive dream. You know, Paul saw a vision of men and women reconciled into one body, no longer at odds with one another. In verse 17 of Ephesians, through the cross, through the cross, he says, thereby putting to death their hostility. It isn't only Jews and Greeks, it's believers and non-believers. It's those who've allowed Jesus to be the Lord of their life and those who have rejected Him. Oh, how our world needs to know the Prince of Peace. I really believe that's why we make in our imagination at least and in our worship, this pilgrimage every year to Christmas, to the manger in Bethlehem. That's why somehow this season seems to have so much hope and, and so much of a, of a yearning for what isn't, really. We believe that somehow lying there amidst the straw, we believe that there is help and hope and purpose and above all, maybe peace. Oh yes, there will be peace on earth. But not like we might think. The peace that is real is greater than our understanding. It isn't something we can do for ourselves. It isn't something that happens by our efforts or will or determination. It isn't manufactured or produced with armies or even diplomacy or more police. Peace is a gift of God. Peace is God. And it comes only as we believe and receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Allowing ourselves to become, as Paul said in verse 22, a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. 
Don't yearn for peace apart from Jesus. Rather, this Christmas, as we should every day, really, renew your faith and renew your trust and renew your commitment to Him, to the Prince of Peace. Allow Him to to change your life so that no matter what's happening on the outside, you are whole. No matter what the storms are doing, you can sleep in perfect peace. Allow Him to so affect your life that you can't help but to share that wonderful blessing with your family, with your friends, with a world that may still be struggling, obviously is still struggling, to know peace. It's our hope. It is our hope. The Prince of Peace is 